I just watched Black Adam on HBO, and I had a lot of fun with it. I enjoyed it quite a bit, yet I can't help but want to nitpick the crap out of it. So how about we just do that? Hello and welcome to another episode of Just Another Fanboy, the podcast that watches movies to pick them apart and just be a general ass about things. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and that's that's not really true. I typically don't nitpick the crap out of movies, but when I watched Black Adam, even though I was having fun with it, there were just moments that I felt like making notes about. And I thought, well, if I'm going to make these notes, and they're quite extensive, then I should probably talk about the movie, right? Now, I'll tell you right off the bat, straight up off the top, you got it there in the cold opening, I did enjoy this movie, despite everything that I'm about to say about it. I had a lot of fun with it. It's not deep. I've heard other podcasts describe it as if you want to watch the kind of movie where it feels like you're getting your action figures out and making them fight each other, this is the movie for you. It, it was fun. It was a lot of fun and quite enjoyable. And I really did like all of the characters that they included. I liked their take on them. I just felt as I was watching it that as fun as this movie was, it had the potential to be so much more. And I always scratch my head when I see something like this and wonder about the choices that the filmmakers made. And I feel like I got to talk about that. Just, just please keep in mind that this is a, uh, this is not a anti-Black Adam movie episode. This is a, uh, I just thought it would be fun to pick apart this movie kind of podcast. You know, this is all in good fun. It's jest. It's jesting. We're kidding here. We're having fun. But I figured I would start it out by reading you the synopsis of the movie that is on Wikipedia and warn everybody that there will be spoilers. Um, I am not going to spoil what happened in the mid-credit scene at all. I'm barely going to talk about it, but I may spoil a whole bunch of other stuff. Now, this movie starred Dwayne Johnson. Most of you know him as The Rock. He played Black Adam. Aldous Hodge as Hawkman. Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate. Sarah Shahi was in the movie. Uh, she did not play a hero, however. She was a, well, she's Adriana Tomas, and she's pretty much the person that kicked a lot of this off. All right, let me just go through the plot here. In 2600 BC, the tyrannical king Akhtan of Kandak creates the crown of Sabak to attain great power. After attempting to stage a revolt, a young slave boy is given the powers of Shazam by the Council of Wizards, transforming him into Kandak's heroic champion, who kills Akhtan and ends his reign. In the present day, Kondok is oppressed by the Intergang, a mercenary organization. As Adriana Tomas, an archaeologist and resistance fighter, tries to locate the crown of Sabak with the help of her brother Karim and their colleagues Samir and Ishmael. As Adriana obtains the crown, Intergang ambushes them and kills Samir, forcing Adriana to read an incantation that awakens Teth Adam whom she believes to be Kondok's champion from a slumber. As he slaughters most of the intergang troops, U.S. government official Amanda Waller deems Adam a threat and contacts the Justice Society to apprehend him. 
Justice Society members Hawkman, Dr. Fate, Cyclone, and Atom Smasher arrive in time to stop Adam's killing spree and explain to Adriana that Adam was not an entombed savior, but an imprisoned madman. Ishmael reveals himself as the leader of Intergang in Kondok and kidnaps Adriana's teenage son, Amon, who has stolen and hidden the crown. Adam, Adriana, and the Justice Society find the crown and intend to trade it for Amon. Reaching Ishmael, he reveals himself as the last descendant of King Octon and wants his rightful place on the throne. Adriana willingly gives the crown to save Amon's life, but Ishmael betrays his part of the deal and shoots at Amon, causing Adam to lose control and destroy the hideout with his powers, killing Ishmael and wounding Amon. Guilt-ridden, Adam flees to the ruins of Octon's palace and reveals to Hawkman that the legends of Kondok's champion were misattributed. It was Adam's son, Harut, who was granted Shazam's powers and became Kondok's champion. Knowing that Harut was invincible, Octon instructed assassins to execute Harut's family, including Adam and Harut's mother. Harut gave Adam his powers to save his life, and Octon's assassins immediately killed the depowered Harut, causing an enraged Adam to massacre all of the king's men and inadvertently destroy his palace. Subsequently deemed unworthy by the Council of Wizards, Adam was attacked and killed them all in anger, except for Shazam, who succeeded in imprisoning him along with the crown of Sabak within what became Adam's tomb. Feeling incapable of becoming a true hero, Adam surrenders and the Justice Society takes him to a secret underwater Task Force X black site in Antarctica, where fate has a premonition of Hawkman's impending death. As the Justice Society returns to the city, they realize Ishmael intentionally provoked Adam to kill him while he wore the crown, just as Ishmael is reborn as a champion of the six demons of Sabak and rises from the underworld to claim his throne. When Sabak summons the Legion of Hell to terrorize Kondok, the people are rallied by Amon, Adriana, and Karim to repel the undead as the Justice Society prepares to face Sabak. However, fate creates a magic force field around the ruins, preventing his teammates from entering, disclosing that Hawkman's death can be avoided with his sacrifice. As he fights Sabak alone, fate uses astral projection to release Adam while talking to him in his cryosleep. Sabak kills Fate, and as a result, it dissolves the force field and allows the other heroes to fight, and Adam arrives just as Sabak is about to kill the Justice Society. With aid from Hawkman using Fate's helmet, Adam kills Sabak, and the Justice Society departs on good terms with Adam, who accepts his new role as Kondok's protector after destroying the old throne and adopting a new name, Black Adam. All right, so that's the movie. So I thought what I'd do here is just read through the notes that I took and see if I remember exactly why I took that note and try to explain the note. So off the top, the first thing I wrote down was a lot of stuff borrowed from other movies. This really hit me in the face when Hawkman and the Justice Society board Hawkman's jet cruiser thing and leave to go to Kondok. There's a moment where, well, first of all, you learn that Hawkman is super rich. Carter Hall is super rich and he lives in this palatial mansion. And 
we see the 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 backyard as it were of this mansion and the basically the ground kind of slides open and the jet is underground and it takes off and it reminded me a lot of the X-Men and Charles Xavier's school for gifted gifted children and if that if the if the similarities to other movies had ended there I'd probably be okay but there are other notes I make and we'll get to that when it comes to it um next note Hawkman is basically Batman and Iron Man combined. Now, again, I want to I want to state here that I really did enjoy Hawkman. I I really liked him in this movie. But first of all, he's super rich and he basically has a suit of armor. I'm going to use air quotes on that armor because it doesn't cover his entire body like Iron Man would or Iron Man's armor does. But he does seem to get his powers from this suit of armor made of nth metal. There's even a moment or two where wearing his helmet, he says, uh, activate infrared vision and his eyes go red and he can see through things and blah, blah, blah. And it just, it just felt a lot like he was Batman more than anything, because he was also kind of dark and, and, uh, really preachy about not killing villains and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, I'll get into his armor here in a bit. The third item, third note, Dr. Fate epitomizes what is one of the downsides to live action comic book movies in that we must see the actor's face as often of, as possible. I wrote what little I know of Dr. Fate from the comics. He really didn't remove the helmet. This Dr. Fate spends more time carrying it than wearing it. Plus, it's from another planet. <laughs> so, yeah, um. Again, if you're going to have somebody like Pierce Brosnan in your movie, you're going to make sure you see his face as much as possible. And I don't know if that's more of a uh, studio thing or if that's an actor thing that they don't they don't want to wear a mask the whole time because then nobody's going to see them face. Nobody's going to see their face. They won't be able to act. They won't be able to see their 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 face emote and all that crap. And that is one of the things I kind of liked about Dr. Fate in the comics is that you knew he was a human being under there. He is a, a magic user and kind of works for the Lords of Chaos or something like that. And so you knew he was a person under there, but it seems like every comic book appearance I've ever seen him in, he's wearing the helmet. If he's just hanging out with the Justice League talking, he's wearing the helmet. And it makes him seem a bit more mysterious and more mystical and I get it. I like Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, let's see his face. He did really good. I thought he was really good in this role. But as I put, he seemed to be carrying the helmet more than he wore it. Next note, Adam Smasher is just too similar to Paul Rudd slash Ant-Man to be a coincidence. So I continued, if DC doesn't want their heroes compared to Marvel heroes and to be considered ripoffs, especially when the DC heroes were created first, then they have to work harder to make them different. And the fact that Adam Smasher was new to the whole superhero game, that he had a, uh, in this case, it was his uncle who back in the day used to be this, this superhero and he's wearing his old suit. When you have Paul Rudd, who was new at the whole superhero thing and you had an older dude this in this case it wasn't his uncle wasn't anybody related to him but it was Hank Pym who used to wear the suit and now he's wearing 
Hank Pym suit, at least in the first Ant-Man movie. Um, Adam Smasher turns into a giant. Ant-Man can also turn into a giant. The Adam Smasher character was the comedic character in this movie. And Paul Rudd, Ant-Man is always the comedic character. It just, they were just way too similar. And I don't understand why DC did that. I, I you, you have to expect that there's going to be comparisons that people are going to go, all right, well, that's just a rip off of Ant-Man because that's what he felt like. And I'll use Dr. Fate as another example. I think I made a note about that later, but there's a chance that people might also make a comparison to Dr. Strange from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I don't, I, I see a, a slight bit of connection there. Uh, both are older guys. Um, they're very, I don't know, magic users, I guess. Dr. Fate's magic is a little different. His is more like a, it's like a crystalline glass shard type magic. Whereas Dr. Strange has, it's kind of like a fiery runes type magic. But there's going to be comparisons because they were still just enough. There's just slight similarities between the two. And Dr. Fate came first. I don't know about Adam Smasher. I'm assuming Adam Smasher came before Ant-Man. I, I don't know. I don't have the history with DC that I would like to. but. I just feel like they need to work harder on making their characters different. There are so many characters between the Marvel Universe and the DC Universe that are similar, that have similar powers, that do similar things, that, you know, if the character shows up in the MCU before, they, before DC's version, and again, doesn't matter who came first, but if, it, if, the, if, the character then, if a character then shows up in a DC movie that is basically this, uh, the DC version, or similar to the Marvel version of that character, then people are just going to assume, people who don't know better are just going to assume, well, that's a ripoff of so-and-so. Just like I'm sure people think that uh, Namor from the new Black Panther movie is a ripoff of Aquaman, and yet Namor came first. But people who don't read comics, they don't know that kind of stuff. So I think you have to work harder to make the characters different. Different enough that your first thought is, well, that's basically just Ant-Man. And I don't know how Adam Smasher is in the comics. I'm not as familiar with Adam Smasher, but what I would have done, I would have made Adam Smasher the uh, grizzled veteran and Dr. Fate the newbie. That's what I would have done. Anyway, next note, very cookie cutter by the numbers movie. Felt like a 90s movie, just with better technology. The whole opening to the movie made me think of um, the opening to The Mummy with Brendan Fraser. Not because of the location, but just the way there was the, the, the narration that explained what happened in the past. I almost expected Black Adam's opening, you know, here's what happened before bit, to end with the title sequence that burned across the screen like The Mummy. And... As far as most of the rest of the movie, it felt like I was watching a movie from the 90s. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but there is a special, particular feel to a 90s movie, especially a 90s comic book movie. It's just that the technology used to make this movie was better. So the, the CGI looked better and the special effects looked better. Next note, not a fan of Hawkman's, well, everything disappearing until he needs it. And I put in parentheses, wings, armor, mace, even his clothes disappear when the armor appears seemingly out of nowhere. This has always been a huge thing with me 
And again, take this in the spirit of jest here, folks. I know I'm not one. I'm not serious. I'm not sitting here banging my head against the wall, getting ready to start a petition to make changes to the freaking movie industry. But when they have technology in a movie where, for example, I'll use uh, back to Hawkman, his wings and his, his, well, his armor in general. The first time he puts his armor on, he's wearing this suit of clothes that covers him from the neck down, and he's, but he doesn't have gloves on. But he's got long sleeves, for example. He jumps out of his, his airplane thing, and then the armor just goes, ting, 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 and it's on him. The wings fold out from nowhere. Suddenly the wings are there. His helmet just folds out of nowhere. And it covers his head. And it's just that stuff just drives me crazy. I just, where did it come from? You know, it's, it's, I don't know. There's a part of me that's like, all right, okay. Alien metal. It can do whatever the flip it wants to do. But I would love to see at some point somebody do that kind of trope, which it's become a trope. But at least show me where it's coming from. Because if he had like a little, a little box on his back that all this stuff came out of, great. Thumbs up. But mm, I just didn't like it. And I didn't like that whenever he wasn't flying, he made his wings disappear. Ting, chong, chong, ting, ting, ting. No wings. Oh, I need wings. I didn't like it because I'll tell you why. First of all, the Hawkman in the comics didn't do that. And secondly, his helmet looked ridiculous without those wings behind it. His helmet has these great big freaking wings that come off the helmet that look out of place and do not look in any way, I don't want to use the term symmetrical, but they don't look, there's just more attention drawn to the, the wings that come off of his helmet when he doesn't have the wings on his back. So they should have just kept the wings on him all the time unless he took the armor off and set it in the corner and the wings are still there. Just like Hawkman in the comic book. Again, I'm not one of these people, you guys know me well enough, that I'm not one of these people that demand that comic book movies be exactly like they are in the, in the freaking comics. And I'm not really saying it here. That's just something that made me laugh. And again, the, the, uh, the armor and the wings and the helmet literally just folding and unfolding out of nowhere because of nth metal nanotechnology. Oh, well, that makes sense. Where did it come from? You can't make something out of nothing. That's all I'm going to say. And his spinning mace was just a little too much. It's not enough that it's a mace. It's not enough that it's a mace that has energy coming off of it that make it makes it glow and the smoky freaking energy crackling off of it, which is freaking cool. But it has to spin around on the on the handle. That just that looked silly. It was that was too much. They took it a step too far, I think. And also, as my next note says, Hawkman got a major power upgrade in this movie, which actually I kind of like. But before we stop talking about Hawkman, I said earlier that he was basically Batman and Iron Man combined. And, you know, he lived in a stately manner. He has all this over-the-top technology. He has, quote-unquote, gadgets, his mace and a battle axe and all kinds of stuff that just come out of nowhere because nano and technology crap. But there was a, I want to say it was Jeff Johns, his second JSA run, where he basically describes Hawkman as a barbarian. And that was one of, one of my favorite interpretations of, of Hawkman. Just this, because 
if you look at his suit in the comic books, he's really, he doesn't wear a shirt. He has these straps across his big hairy chest that hold the wings to his back. And he uses, you know, medieval type weapons, axes, mace, that kind of stuff. He's basically Conan the Barbarian with wings. And add a little Indiana Jones in there, and that's Hawkman. And that's that's kind of what I, what I wanted to see here. Now, having said that, Aldous Hodge as Hawkman, I, I, I really did like him as Hawkman. I did enjoy this version of Hawkman. But again, like I said at the beginning, it just felt like there was potential to do more. And I think they could do more with Hawkman, and they just didn't. And the wings on his helmet looked ridiculous when he wasn't when he didn't have the, the wings out. And one of the notes, I'm going to skip ahead for a minute, I wrote, and I've already mentioned it already, the clanky metallic sounds when Hawkman triggers his mace or when his wings, quote, unfold from nothingness sound ridiculous. And they do. Really getting tired. I'm just getting tired of that. All right. Uh, I wrote Eternium, which is a, a substance that we find on the DC Earth that they make weapons out of kind of like the uh it's kind of like a cross between the vibranium and the weapons that they made with the the tesseract both marvel comics things but i wrote eternium is almost as dumb at least the name is almost as dumb as unobtainium though unobtainium is going to win that freaking fight any day of the week because that's got to be as much as I love the Avatar movie and as much as I'm looking forward to more Avatar movies, Unobtainium has got to be one of the single dumbest names in movie history. Okay, the next note. The big room with all the people in suspended animation has a lot of wasted space. And that kind of ties into the, the note after that. Over-the-top technology in these movies sometimes drives me crazy, like the manacles and breathing device they slap on Black Adam when they put him in suspended animation. So when Black Adam decides, all right, I almost killed this kid. I'm going to say the name Shazam and I'll change back into myself and then turn myself over to you guys. He's talking to Hawkman. And then I want you to ensure that I never say that name again. And so what they do is they, they take, they knock him out. Basically they take him to this hidden base under the ice in Antarctica and they stick him in a suspended animation tank. Well, they put these manacles on him first that are about nine feet thick. They're just these giant freaking manacles. And then they stick this breathing device on him that is about sticks out like three feet from his face. I am, of course, hyperbolizing. Is that a word? <laughs> they weren't that bad. But then you combine it with the fact that they stick him in this suspended animation chamber and then the camera backs out and we see that there's like 30 or 40 other suspended animation chambers, but they're in a room that's about the size of three football fields. So each of these suspended animation chambers has like a 50 to 60 to maybe even a hundred foot radius around it. And there's just nothing there but floor and open space. And for a government organization, I, I don't think that they would just, here's this giant Frickin' room that we could probably house 20 stealth bombers in, but we're going to use it to put uh, these 40 people in it, and we're going to spread them out so much that we can't use it for anything else. That just seemed 
incredibly silly to me and over the top. But again, it's comics. You know, if if this happened in a comic book, I'm thinking specifically of a Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld comic. The manacles would be super huge and over the top. You know, that's just the way it was in comics. So as much as it made me kind of laugh watching the movie, that's 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 how it is in comics. The next note I wrote is CGI bad guy exclamation point because Sabak when he turns into their the 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 demons champion he's just completely CGI and that gave me Steppenwolf flashbacks from Joss Whedon's JLA and a note that I put in here later is that many of the times that CGI Sabak speaks they don't show his face so we can't see his lips moving. And that had to be a cost-cutting technique, don't you think? They didn't have to animate his face. Uh, I made the note about the magic in the DC universe being a crystalline, shattered glass type of thing, which is kind of reminiscent, I guess, of the Fortress of Solitude and Krypton's crystal technology from the original Superman movie. But I thought, you know, at first you assume that it's just a Dr. Fate thing because he's the only one that does magic. But then Sabak uses some as well. I'm pretty sure that was Sabak's magic, but it was very similar to Dr. Fate's. All right, the next note, why does Adam Smasher take off his mask and carry it as they regroup to make their slow, dramatic, this is where we will make the big sacrifice as the music swells walk towards Sabak, who we don't even see anywhere at this point. So. Sabak is in the temple or wherever, the throne room, and our, our heroes, the Justice Society, they're like, all right, let's go get them. And the entire time in this movie, Dr. Fate, who I guess his big thing, beyond being a magic user, his big thing is being able to see into the future and see different outcomes based on what he can see in the future. And that helps him choose which way to go. And don't worry, we're going to talk about that in a second. But he has been seeing this moment that we're coming to. And in this moment, he sees what appears to be Hawkman dying. And eventually, he tells Hawkman about this. So as they're, they're getting ready to enter this moment, Hawkman knows, all right, this is what we're going to do. I'm getting ready to sacrifice myself. And they all kind of slowly walk toward the, the temple where Sabak is inside. And for some reason, Adam Smasher takes his mask off and just carries it as they're walking. It's like, why? Why would you do that? If you're not going to wear it, what's the point of even having a mask? And then I, I made a note. How can I be enjoying this movie and yet have so many problems with it at the same time? <laughs> yeah. And then Dr. Fate makes the big sacrificial move using his magic to hold everyone back as Hawkman rages. No, no, no. It's supposed to be me. And then he's smashing at the freaking wall of magic with his giant battle axe trying to get through because he's the one that's supposed to die. Not you, Kent. Not you. Very silly and over the top. Then I noted that I'm not a big fan of the Dr. Fate helmet. And here's where it got really confusing for me because when I first saw the helmet in pictures as they were making the movie, it looked to me like there was just one eye, like on the right side or something. And then the left side was just flat. Okay? Keep that in mind. So I wrote... Not a fan of the Dr. Fate helmet. Why just one eye? Why not, if there's going to be one eye, why not have it right in the middle? What's the significance? And is it that fate is blind in one eye and therefore can't see the entire future? Maybe. But we'll get back to that. These, these 
I want to I want to do the rest of these notes in order so you can feel the, the 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 things I felt as I was watching it. And then I wrote, by the way, the whole magic user can see all the possible future outcomes is way too similar to Doctor Strange in Infinity War. And then I put and the other one because for the life of me, I can't remember what the name of the second one was. I still can't. Doesn't matter. Again, the doc- again as I as I continue in these notes. Again, the Doctor Fate character was created long before Doctor Strange. And I don't know if seeing the future, if that thing is a big part of who he is in the comics, like it is here in the movie. That's his big thing. And they even at one point kind of tie it together. Fate. They, they make that, they, they, they press upon that a lot. I don't think his big thing in the comics was that he could see the future. But again, I don't know. I'm sure if, if my... uh Superman Super Show co-host Ed Moore is listening. He can clue me in because he's been reading every Doctor Fate appearance from the Golden Age, so he can tell me. But even if it is his thing, I would think that DC would want to, again, work harder at making their characters different from Marvel in the movies. And that was the big thing that made me go, well, he is, I guess, kind of similar to Doctor Strange because that was Doctor Strange's big thing in Infinity War. and. The other one, why can't I think of the name of that movie? Uh, Let's look it up. Endgame. Oh, my God. (laughs) Can't believe I didn't know that. Can't believe I couldn't remember. All right. Let's just continue. Here's here's one. Here's one that uh, I'm going to yell when I I say it because I felt like yelling when I wrote it. Why? Okay. (laughs) Let me just set this up. So I've already talked about the scene where they've all, they're, they're all making the slow walk to the temple to fight Sabacc. And Hawkman knows that he's going to die. And then Dr. Fate blocks them off and he's hammering at the freaking thing. Bam, 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 bam. Let me through. I'm the one who has to die. And then Dr. Fate is the one who dies. And as soon as he dies, the magic wall comes down, which is blocking them from a, a big flight of stone stairs. And so then Hawkman runs up the stairs and he runs into the temple. And I wrote down why in the absolute f- is Hawkman running up a flight of stairs to get to where the big bad is. He has fucking wings. Yeah. <laughs> Why would he do that? Okay, you can argue, well, his, his buddy just died and he's not thinking right. I still think he would fly. Hawkman would fly. He would not run up stairs. That's not Hawkman. Not that I'm really all that familiar with Hawkman, but come on. And then yet, I wrote down this note beat his ass. And that's my favorite moment. That was my favorite moment in the movie. Black Adam is, he arrives. He has been having this ongoing argument discussion with Hawkman throughout the entire movie about what makes a hero and how Hawkman is very much heroes don't kill and Black Adam is very much, I'm not a hero. This is what I do. And now that Sabak has killed Dr. Fate, Hawkman's ready for him to go down. And so when Black Adam shows up, he says to Hawkman, you know what I have to do. And Hawkman just says, beat his ass. And I was like, yeah, get that man. And then I wrote down, wait, now the helmet has two eyes because there's a moment where Hawkman picks up the helmet and there are now two eyes that glow. We'll get back to that. The next note I wrote down is, and he says the catchphrase just before he takes out the big bad Straight out of Terminator 2. I didn't note this 
anywhere else before this, but I now that I'm thinking about it, when I put up here at the top, one of my top notes about how they are borrowing heavily from other movies, this is straight out of Terminator 2, and it doesn't start there. When they bring Black Adam out of his tomb, he's, you know, it's been like 5,000 years or something, and he he gets knocked unconscious because of some Eternium, the eternal material. And when he wakes up, he's laying in the bed of, of uh, Adriana and Amon's house. He's actually in Amon's bed. And Amon is there, and they start having this conversation where Amon's like, you're a superhero. And, and he's like telling him how, what he should do as a superhero. And then there's moments later when he sees Black Adam take out some guys, and he's like, you need a catchphrase. And he's like, this is what you should do when you take somebody out. You should say something like, uh, tell them that the man in black sent you. And, and then Black Adam's like, just leave me alone. And then later he tries it out and he gets it wrong. And it just, it is straight up John Connor in T2 trying to teach the Arnold Schwarzenegger robot how to be more human. And they even have the freaking conversation about catchphrases. Or they just, in that movie, they, you know, something cool to say when you take somebody out. And in that movie, it was, hasta la vista, baby. And of course, he says it, Arnie says it at the end of the movie when he's getting ready to take out the bad guy. And I just don't know. I mean, come on, that can't be a coincidence. And I don't know if filmmakers, if these are younger folks who maybe don't realize that a lot of us that are watching their movies have watched these other movies? I don't know. Did they just assume, well, that was a long time ago. They're not going to remember Terminator 2. It was the same thing in the Willow TV show. If you've watched Willow yet, there's a scene where they're all riding on horses away from the bad guys and they're coming up to a cliff. And one of the one of the dudes that's with him, one of the one of the good guys, he starts shouting something in, in some weird foreign elven tongue or something. And then all the horses jump off the cliff into the water below. And as they're getting, you know, the bad guys is like, oh, we can't do that. That's crazy. And so then when they're below and they're all coming out of the water with their horses, one of the other characters says, what was that that you were saying? That, that you know, is that some kind of magic word or something? And the guy says, no, it means stop. And it's like, holy crap, that is straight out of Young Guns 2. The exact same thing happened in Young Guns 2, except for instead of a cliff, they just rode down a, a steep hill. And same exact thing. Christian Slater asks Lou Diamond Phillips, Ate, Ate, what is that? Some kind of Native American Indian word? And he goes, it's, it's a, it means stop. And I just don't understand, because to me, that doesn't sound like a homage. I can't imagine why Willow would homage a Western like Young Guns 2. And so to me, it's like, why... Do they just not know that we've seen these movies? I, I don't understand it. And I, I want somebody to explain it to me. Uh, another note here. Seriously, Hawkman's helmet just folds back into nothingness with that dumb metallic slidey sound. Where did it go? Oh, it's nth metal. So yeah, the next note and a mutual respect is gained because, you know, Black Adam and Hawkman hate each other throughout the entire movie. But at the end, they gain a mutual respect for each other and they're, they're, they're good buddies now. And then I put, now Dr. Fate's helmet is back to just one eye, or at least that half of the helmet has some kind of brow ridge or something that the other side doesn't have. But then I will skip a couple of notes ahead. I wrote, I don't know. The more I see the helmet, the more it appears to have no eyes. So I don't know what's going on with his helmet. 
in the movie, somebody explain that to me. And then I put Black Adam sitting on the throne is very King Conan, though I do feel like I've seen an image of Black Adam in the comics where he's sitting on a throne like that. So I'm sure that comes straight out of the comics. Uh, yeah, in general, I put down here in general, I enjoyed the movie. I liked all the characters. They didn't spend really any time giving us backstories on any of them. Just a quick introduction to Cyclone and Adam Smasher and Hawkman and Dr. Fate. We didn't get like long, boring origins that took up uh, a quarter of the movie that all tied into each other. They're just an established part of the universe. And that is very comic booky, and I really enjoyed that. They, did, they, they didn't waste a lot of time on that. And I, I wrote, the mid-credit scene was cool, but entirely pointless now. That's, that's all I'm going to say about the mid-credit scene. Uh, but I did put, but hindsight is 2020 and all that. And then the last note, before I let you go, and I think it's a good note to leave you on, because I think I've said everything I'm going to say about this movie. Under the more like this area on HBO Max, the first option... What HBO Max thinks is the most like the Black Adam movie, Martin, The Reunion. Be nice to each other. The Just Another Fanboy podcast is a Stephen or Else production. Questions and comments can be directed to justanotherfanboy at gmail.com. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month over at the Patreon by going to patreon.com slash stephenrorr. And in return, I am going to do my very best to get you and your fellow patrons episodes just like this one before anybody else. I also encourage you to rate the show wherever available and share this podcast with a friend. All links will be in the show notes. Bye-bye, Daddy. Bye-bye, Daddy. Good job.